Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Duval, welcome in to the Gin Jag Podcast. I'm Jordan DeLugo, joined as always by Jeremy Markoski. Today, we're talking about the draft. We'll play some games, some would you rather start bench cut. Uh, I'm going to drop some some fun questions on Jeremy here. We'll take a look at some of those 2019 wide receivers. They're up for new contracts. Debo Samuel, among others. And we'll be talking about the reporting of a new assistant general manager in Duval. Jeremy, I know you've been battling through it this week. How are we? <laughs> We're good, man. We're still here. Yeah, battling a little bit of a cold. Maybe some allergies. Can't really tell which one, but uh, I was knocked out Monday and Tuesday, man. I told you Wednesday I felt bad. I was like MIA. I didn't even realize what day it was. Um, come Wednesday, I was like, oh, I missed Tuesday, missed hot thoughts. But, you know, sometimes it just goes that way. It certainly does. And that's all right. You know, you got to you gotta rest up and, and uh, be able to come hot for the Jim Jack podcast, right? Oh, of course, man. Always. Priority number one. But you never know, dude. That... I tell you, especially around this time of year, anytime, any, anywhere, you can just get slapped just out of nowhere. Take you out, man. That yeah. cold and flu and those allergies is no joke. Changing of the seasons. You've got some hot temperatures one day, cold temperatures the next, pollen all over the place. Yeah. Messing man. you up. That's what it is. I tell you, I swear, every time it rains, it's just like when there's like that thick coat of pollen on the ground and all that rain comes down, it kind of just pops it back up into the air again. Yep. We've all been dealing with it. Uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter. You can follow Jeremy at Jeremy Markoski, myself at Jordan DeLugo, and Generation Jaguar at Generation Jag. And, of course, check out GenJag.com for all the latest Jaguars news and analysis and Duval gear. Latest article is up about the potential new assistant general manager. We also looked at uh, Chad Mumo, who the Jaguars hosted on a pre-draft visit, according to reports. Linebacker out of Wyoming, so you can go check that or check that out again. That's ginjag.com. Appreciate everybody for tuning in. Let's go ahead and jump into it. If you don't like reading, you can just listen to us talk about it right now. The assistant general manager, Ethan Waugh from San Francisco. Not sure how much work you've been able to get in on looking at this guy yet, Jeremy, but you have any initial thoughts? My only initial thoughts on Mr. Waugh was the kind of just surprisingly rapid response, I, I guess you could say, from not only Niners fans, but just media in general, right? A lot of good things to say about this guy. Um, I haven't really seen any negative things, to be honest with you. I mean, really only the negative thing I think you can say right now is it does look a little, um, not shady, but it just it's, it's, it's curious, right? It's questionable that, you know, we, we had talk of an EVP for, sometime and, and that kind of went away you know they they told us they were going to add some guys to the front office and they are but it kind of just looks like you know Trent's picking up one of his buddies and, and bringing him over so that was what I thought on on first glance but again seeing all of the outpour of support and respect um, for Mr. Waugh again not only from fans but the media um, from scouts from from NFL personnel it is a little bit reassuring to know that 
You know, maybe this is a, a, a another brain that we can add to the equation, add some support in there for Trent and Doug as they attempt to rebuild the Jaguars. And the 49ers have definitely um, gotten their fair share of sleepers throughout the draft over the last couple of years. Um, I know Fred Warner, Debo Samuel, um, a few other players were mentioned in regards to uh, Mr. Wall and, and um, you know, his role in, in acquiring that talent. So, you know, hopefully this will add, just, like I said, another brain to the process and, and maybe the Jags start to find some of that hidden talent later in the draft. Yeah, I mean, Trent Baalke, when he was in San Fran, he certainly hit on some defensive linemen, Alden Smith, um, DeForest Buckner, Eric Armstead, all first-round picks, all guys that you know went on the field. Very, very highly talented players, especially Alden Smith and DeForest Buckner. But you know, since Balky's been gone from San Francisco, like you said, they found Fred Warner, they found um, George Kittle. Uh, those are two guys that are later round guys. Debo Samuel was a second round pick. They got Brandon Ayuk, who I think is very talented. I, I don't think there's any issues with that. Uh, I think um, Trey Lance, I, I still feel pretty confident in that pick and that system. Uh, so, and, and of course, Nick Bosa. So there's been some big hits for San Francisco in the draft. I think they've been doing it better since Balky left, which of course – you know, you could debate about <laughs> how to feel about that. Yeah, they've been better since Bulky left, but Bulky's here now. Anyways, the point is, uh, Ethan Waugh has been a part of some impressive draft classes. That's a team that has made it to the Super Bowl um, since Bulky left. Um, Ethan Waugh was the director or the um, vice president of player personnel. He moved up through the system, started with San Francisco around the same time as Balky. They worked together for about 10 years. Uh, Wall started out as the Midwest regional scout, worked his way up, of course, becoming the vice president of player personnel, which means he is over pro personnel and um, the NFL draft. So really important role. But now he's moving up to assistant general manager, which is an upgrade in that title with the Jaguars. The Jaguars didn't have an assistant GM previously. Um, so they are insulating Balky a little bit. But of course, you can understand why fans would be irritated that Shad Khan comes in, talks about the EVP role coming back, talks about filing with the league to try to hire an executive vice president. And instead of getting some high-level guy like um, like uh, Rick Spielman, who who recently left Minnesota, somebody who's been at the top of the league for a long time, you bring in someone who worked with Balky and under Balky for ten years. So I can understand the irritation with that in terms of what you're expecting versus what you're getting. Yeah, and I mean, just like the government, dude, like this front office has like needs a system of checks and balances, right? We, we've, we've kind of already, you know, gone through the whole, um, you know, disagreement phase. You know, we, we've kind of seen that in the past when a coach and a GM don't necessarily disagree or see eye to eye where that can lead you. And, you know, reports are already out there that, you know, one guy favors um, one guy that the other may not. And so mm-hmm. when you're already kind of creating that narrative, not saying it's true or false, for me personally, the EVP would be that guy who would be able to take, you know, a a, um, a back seat to the discussion and kind of 
make that final decision, right? And and I feel like instead of adding an EVP, you kind of just add an assistant GM to try and it doesn't really alleviate that, you know, that issue where if guys don't agree, how are we going to figure this out um, as a team and how are we not going to create, um, you know, um, fissures within the structure already? Yeah, it's a little concerning and we'll talk about that certainly. Um, but Nick Wagner is the guy who originally reported this, the ESPN um, NFL Nation reporter for the 49ers. And uh, he, he's reporting that if they don't hit any snags, that Ethan Wall will be joining the staff after the draft. And some people have kind of been asking about why is it after the draft? Well, it's because the draft is in exactly one week. We can all get excited about that, right? Seven days uh about seven days exactly from right now. We're recording Thursday, April 21st at 7 p.m. So we are literally right about one week from the NFL draft. The reason is you don't bring in someone before the draft. You bring them in after the draft. They start their work on the next draft or the next offseason. Obviously, there's a lot that goes into being a front office personnel besides just the draft, besides just free agency. And he will come in and work on, you know, who are the free agents right now? Who's available for trade right now? Obviously, all that stuff. But usually when you're bringing in new scouts, new front office members, it happens either way, way, way before the draft or after it. Because this is kind of like the start of the 2022 season. Uh, Your guys have been doing the scouting. Your front office personnel has been... Uh, working on this draft all year and to just bring in a new voice that is not going to have alignment with what you've been looking for potentially and what you've been looking at uh, can kind of just create another fissure like you mentioned earlier. So I I think doing it after the draft does make the most sense. How about you? Yeah. I mean, not only that, but I, I would think that San Fran wouldn't let him just walk away a week before the draft either. That's right? another and, and join, great point. He's another the leader. Office. There. Yeah, I, would, I mean, what he's going to do is going to walk in and, and basically, no, not saying he would, but potentially could just give Jacksonville San Fran's draft board, right? Give Jacksonville right. over hand. Like, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but I'm sure that it's been thought. I'm sure there's a reason Strategically, why. Strategically, that's why. Right, yeah, I'm it, sure San Fran's not going to walk out, so. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense in that regard, too. I didn't even bring that up or think about that. But as you said, he's well-respected around the league. So uh, I want people to temper their criticism and their hatred for this move. Yes, it's disappointing that there has not been someone put in place above Trent Baalke to kind of limit his power. But you know, is it possible that the list of candidates willing to work with bulky was very small. And because this guy has a, an experience with him and feels comfortable with him, that's why he said, yes, sure. Is it also possible that Ethan wall is going to come in and improve the Jaguars front office, improve the structure, help things uh, moving forward. Also. Yes. In my opinion. Yeah. And, and I mean, the other thing that really kind of excites you is, you know, again, this is all speculation. And do I think that the Jaguars are going to make a crazy move? No. But let's go ahead and you know, and, and hypothetically say that Debo Samuel was not moved before the draft. Well, it doesn't hurt you by any means to have somebody with good relationships to the organization that Debo Samuel is trying to get traded from. So, you know, that that's obviously got to be said. It's got to be pointed out that you know, come next week, 
if Debo Samuel has not been moved, the Jaguars maybe have a little bit of a, a hand up, you know, a step forward if they've yeah. got a guy from the building. I mean, again, all speculation, who knows, but it's not out of their own possibility. That would be absolutely wild, though, wouldn't it? Like, you It'd get be the people greatest thing they've at, ever done. It would you be get people looking down. at the situation, though. Like, oh, Jaguars brought in Ethan Waugh. Oh, they trade with the 49ers for Debo Samuel. That doesn't look fishy. Yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> I would assume that, that, that you can't really, and like, there's no collusion or anything that could, that could come of it. I mean, you see guys, the, the NFL is all about relationships, right? We know that. Absolutely. It's, it's no surprise. So it, it can't hurt you. I mean, yeah, yeah, it can't hurt you. It can only help you. Um, I was going to say it can't help you, but it can definitely help you. It can't hurt you. And, and it would be the greatest thing that the front office has ever done. And honestly, it would be, something that would completely change my mind on this front office and the way Trambalki runs things right now. Yeah. Not saying it's going to happen. Let's, let's please let me, let me please put that out there in like full caps as loud as I can. I'm not saying that's what I think is going to happen, but no, I don't think the Jaguars are going to trade for any receivers, any big time receivers. Um, and we'll talk about that a little later on. when We look at those 2019 wide receivers who are looking for new contracts, but um, should they? That's, that's a whole other discussion. But for the next little bit here, let's go ahead and jump in to the 2022 NFL Draft. The Jaguars hold the first overall pick just a week away. Who's it going to be at one, Jeremy? Is this a what would I do or is this a nope. what would they, Who's it going to be? be? I mean, honestly, if you would have asked me last week, I would have hands down told you probably Hutch. Um even though you know the the Walker stuff was all kind of starting to make its way um, into our minds, it, it seemed like you know that maybe that was kind of starting to not necessarily die down, but people were kind of invading the smokescreen, right? It was still saying Hutch all the way, but right now I truly have no idea. I, I couldn't even tell you if I had to take a guess. If I had to put money on it, I'd probably still say Hutch right now. Um, but I mean. I think Walker is, is very much in, in, in the question here in play. Um, I think Iki Aquanu is in play. Um, and, and that kind of scares me a little bit um, that, that, that they really don't know. I, I have no clue. I couldn't even guess. Like I said, if I had to, I'd say Hutch. I would hope that some of the stuff coming out right now isn't necessarily a smokescreen, but you know, that the entire context of these discussions of these decisions is not actually being released. Like, yes, we've heard from Dilla that Doug Peterson loves Ike Aquanu. That makes sense for a number of reasons we can talk about. Um, we've heard that Trent Balky loves Trayvon Walker and compares him to Alden Smith, who he drafted way back when. That makes sense for a number of reasons. Uh, we've heard from other reports that Trent Balky, I mean, that uh, Doug Peterson really wants an offensive player with the first overall pick. And of course, who wouldn't? You're, you're an offensive head coach. You have Trevor Lawrence. You want to support him. That makes sense. But perhaps we're not getting the entire picture. Uh, I, in fact, I'm sure we're not getting the entire picture. And I would hope that they've actually already made the decision that if they're going to draft at one, who they're going to take. Honestly, like you're a week out. You've had months and months to figure this out. This should not be a decision that is coming down to the wire. Now, if you're going to trade, you're going to trade. That's awesome. 
that can be a fluid situation. But you should know who you're going to take at one at this point if you're going to draft at one overall. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, to be honest with you, the Jaguars not knowing who they're going to draft at number one overall a week before the draft is by far the less the least surprising Jaguars move or Jaguars thing, you know, that I've ever heard of. This is not out and of We don't know that that's the the case. No, we don't, but but I mean, if you had if I if if someone asked you right now and I'll I'll be the one to do it. Jordan, do you think the Jaguars are firmly confident in who they're taking at number one overall i have no idea i don't have a i don't have a confidence level either way Uh, i think based on the dysfunction we've seen in this organization over the last five plus years it is very possible that they do not know who they're going to draft one week from tonight Right. So to me, that's a no, right? If, if you can't definitively, but I don't yes, know. I don't know. Right. But you don't know, which means that you can't say yes. And so, that, I mean, and that's just what I'm saying. I agree with you. I don't know either. I, I wouldn't be able to tell you uh, my, my brain is so jumbled and lost in the matter, but that's what's so confusing and frustrating in this whole process. Right. Is that, is it just because this is the Jaguars? Like what, you know, the narrative, everything's different. The narrative's different. The way that the pick is looked at is different. The way that the players are talked about is different simply because the Jaguars are picking number one. And I mean, it's just, it, it, I, I guess if anything, you know, they, they keep you on your toes and they always keep you guessing, but I, I don't think they have it figured out. And, and I think this all kind of leads you to believe that. And that's a problem. Honestly, if I had to guess, I would say they know they're going to take Aiden Hutchinson. Fair enough. If I had to guess. I would say everything they've done this offseason has led to that decision for a number of reasons, right? Okay, they didn't make any big splashes in free agency with the pass rush. They did go and sign uh, Brandon Scherf on the offensive line. They signed or they tagged Cam Robinson. So they they did their work on the offensive line. They signed receivers. Uh, they signed a big-time linebacker. You're not going to take an off-ball linebacker at one overall. They signed a cornerback. You're not going to take Sauce Gardner or Derek Stingley or anything like that. Um, you're not going to take Kyle Hamilton because he's a safety. What is the positional value? I think they're going to take Aiden Hutchinson with the first overall pick. I, I would hope that they know that. I think that they know that if I had to guess, but I, I don't know. That's just me reading the tea leaves based on what I've seen so far. Uh, And not only does Aiden Hutchinson really fit in terms of the roster construction, I do think he's the second or third best player on the board, so you're not really reaching uh, based on a need there. Uh, A lot of people think he's the best player on the board. I don't. I know you think Evan Neal's the best player on the board. So do I. But I do think he's one of the top, very top guys. Um, and his personality, his obsession with football, with getting better, to me that screams what Doug Peterson has been preaching all offseason with getting guys in here that love football, that are passionate about being good teammates, that are professionals, that are culture fits, guys that bring positivity. You look at Trevor Lawrence, Shaquille Griffin, Foley Fatu Kasi's been an extremely positive presence. All the guys that they've brought in this offseason have been that way. 
I heard Tyson Campbell talking on uh, Jags drive time. He's like, I just want to prove to the coaches and teammates that that I'm going to be reliable and accountable, and that's why I care about being at these voluntary workouts. Are you bought in? I think he wants guys that are bought in 100%. And now I'm not going to sit here and say that there's other prospects at the top of the board that aren't going to be 100% bought in, but you see that like visibly. It, it oozes from Aiden Hutchinson. Yeah, he personality-wise has everything that you want um, from a from a franchise cornerstone, from a potential, you know, second or third face of the franchise. His his mentality, I think, is um, un unshakable. And his obviously, you know, athletically there are some knocks, but he's just a guy that, like you said, wants to come in and work. And I do genuinely think that he wants to be the best at his craft. And sometimes if a guy has that motivation, right, has that want, they can out, you know, out, outperform and outwork that guy who has a natural talent. So none of that throws up any red flags for me. Um, I think if they went Hutchinson at once, you know, it, it's a good pick. If they go Walker at one, I think is a good pick. If they go oh, Neil or Icky. That's at spicy one. to me. Yeah. See, but my thing is I think all these players will have an impact on this team immediately. All four of those guys I just mentioned. Do you want, and of course, so we need to talk about these guys more in depth. So you said you think Trayvon Walker is a good pick out one. I think he's a good first round pick. I don't think he's a good top 10 pick. My reasoning is because I don't feel in any way confident that he's going to be ready to attack the passer on third down. I think he, when he comes into the league, is going to be a guy that you play in your base formations that tries to, you know, uh, set the edge or be a weak side, you know, chase um, defensive end. I just don't see a guy who has any clear, defined pass rush move, pass rush plan. Uh, do you kick him inside and play three tech against um, against clear passing situations? I just don't know how you use him and how he is effective against the pass. And that is the key thing to be effective against in the NFL. I know you play the Titans and Colts twice a year, but guess what? That's four games. You still have 12 other games against mostly teams that are going to be trying to pass the ball. Yeah, uh, and, th and those are all fair assumptions. And my question to you, my counterpoint to make here is, um, Calais Campbell, uh, 2017, if – you, if I told you that we could get similar production from Trayvon Walker that we got out of Clay's Campbell that same year, and I'm not saying he's going to go for 14 sacks. And I was about to say, what, like, hell yeah, you'd take but, that. Right, but you take that number one overall, right? And that's the thing is that you you say that, but Clay's Campbell is not necessarily a primary pass rusher either, and he wasn't when he got into this league. He's a big end, and he can change the game. He can affect the game, right? I understand that Trayvon Walker doesn't have the raw pass rushing skills that you want from a guy that you're taking number one overall, but if he can impact the game any way from that big end position, like Calais Campbell or like some of these other ends that we see in the NFL, I think that's a good pick. It doesn't have to be the pass rush specialist guy because you know what? If he creates havoc on one side of the line, if he's constantly getting penetration right with his power, with his size, with his raw athleticism, that's going to open up opportunities for Josh Allen. It doesn't have to come from another pass rush specialist on the other side. And I think that's what people are kind of, you know, forgetting, right? Just because that guy is not going to put up the, the, the huge sack numbers doesn't mean he can't have an impact on the game. And I want the guy that's going to have the biggest impact. That's who I think the number one overall pick needs to be. 
not necessarily, you know, who's going to be the best pass rush, right? Because we value edge and pass rush over, obviously, certain positions in the NFL. And I get that. And if Aiden Hutchinson comes out and he has 12, 13 sacks his rookie year, even 10 sacks his rookie year, I mean, that's a win. So sure, does he help eight. you? Right. But does, does, Yeah, and that too. Does he help you in other facets of the game? Not saying he wouldn't, but if he comes in and he's that pass rush guy, that's fantastic. But is he a liability in the run game? Is he a liability tackling backs outside of the tackle? Is he a liability I mean, no. if he drops back into coverage, right? And again, I'm not saying, but that's the same thing you say about Trayvon Walker. Is Tra- what Trayvon Walker do the best? He is that's physical and sets the edge. He's physical to line of scrimmage, right? Does that mean that he's going to be bad at getting to the quarterback? Not necessarily. I mean, it doesn't necessarily say that, he, that he's going to be the, the, the beast, but is he making an impact? Is he helping to stop runs? And, and you know, while he's not the best pass rusher, Right? Is he versatile? Is he suitable on a third down? Does he open up alleys for other pass rushers like Josh Allen to get their sacks? And if the answers to all those questions are yes, then I have no problem with Trayvon Walker at number one. I have no problem with Aiden Hutchinson at number one. And from what I've seen out of these offensive tackles and Ikea Kwanu and Evan Neal, I'd prefer Evan Neal, but I think they both are impact players and change the game immediately as well. Um, so I'd have no problem with them either. Even if you're going to play him at guard for a year, I really don't care. Because at yeah, that and point, I think you would right. You're going to shore up the, the offensive line. You're going to have um, a, a center that you trust right now. I think in Tyler Shatley, you'll have Cam on um, the right tackle is still up for question. But you just signed Brandon Scherf, right? And and you know you'll put the other guy at the other guard, and and you'll figure out the right tackle spot, whether it be Jawan or I think probably Walker Little. Um, you'll have the ability to uh, you know try those guys out other positions. You might even have a chance to put Icky or Evan Neal at right tackle and move one of those other guys inside. You know, you never know. So I think personally, if it's one of those four guys. It's a good pick. You just better be right because if you're not and one of those guys fall to, let's say, Houston and they terrorize you for the next 15 years, then, you know, obviously it's going to be a much bigger, um, you know, mark on your on your resume as a GM. And, and you know, it's a ne- another, um, you know, negative mark on the Jaguars draft history, which, you know, I'm sure not. I'm sure you've seen the graphics that have been going around today since like 2011. I mean, it, it's been absolutely horrible. Yeah. No question. And like you said, I, I do believe I do believe Trayvon Walker will have a positive impact on whatever football team he joins. I just don't know if he's going to be a pass rusher. And that scares me with the number one overall pick. Because even if I do think Trayvon Walker in the long run is going to be a better run defender than probably every other edge in this class, including Aiden Hutchinson and and Kayvon Thibodeau and Jermaine Johnson, who I like all of them above Trayvon Walker because I think they are better pass rushers. I think they know how to rush the passer. For, for you to get from where Trayvon Walker is as a pass rusher right now to even being a quality pass rusher, that gap is so massive between where he is now and becoming a quality pass rusher. And I'm not going to sit here and say that he can't do it because he has 35 inch arms. He, he runs a four five. Like he is an incredible athlete, but it scares me. I think there's more risk involved with that pick than with Aiden Hutchinson or Evan Neal. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. Absolutely. There is absolutely more risk. But only I don't think there's risk of him being a starter. I think there's risk of him being a pass rusher. Yeah, but I, I think the only risk comes from the narrative. And again, I, I don't want 
it's all about the pass rush. And that's just, a, that's the narrative that's pushed. And that's how you're going to differentiate Trayvon Walker and Aiden Hutchinson. But I'll take this. Do you think Josh Allen is a legitimate threat, a legitimate pass rusher in this league? Yes, yes. or no? Okay. So if you do, right, and you can open up, let's, let's say you can get the same production from both guys, from Josh Allen or Aiden Hutchinson, right? But it's in a vacuum. So if I take Josh Allen on this Jaguars team, pair him with Trayvon Walker, and Trayvon Walker opens up the other side of the line to give Josh Allen more opportunities to rush the passer, right? Which I don't think he had last year. He didn't have very many one-on-one opportunities or good opportunities to rush the passer. And let's say he's able to get back to his form and we can get him at, at, at 14 sacks a game, right? You've got a guy over there that that's causing that because he's impacting the game in, in other ways. Well, if Aiden but if Hutchinson, he can't rush the passer, why do you think that they're going to respect him on passing downs? But we've seen that Josh Allen can rush the passer. I'm There's saying Trayvon Walker. Oh, because again, it's it's not necessarily about rushing off the edge, right? He's not going to play off the edge. He's going to play inside. All you have to do is disrupt that pocket, create penetration. Well, that's an assumption. And what is the quarter? That's an again, assumption. But these are all assumptions. We've never seen any of these guys play in the NFL. We're assuming that Aiden no, Hutchinson is going to come in and be a great pass rusher. Was he a great no, pass no. rusher in college? You're assuming that he is going to play inside. We don't no. know that. And Trayvon Walker in this defense is a defensive end. In the 3-4. He is a big right. edge-setting defensive. He's not a stand-up pass-rushing edge. He's not. So if he is getting consistent pressure, and it doesn't have to be pressure, if he can move the pocket, right? If he's opposite of Josh Allen, and he can get good penetration and move the pocket, force the quarterback to move, right? Once you get the quarterback off... But there's no evidence spot, of him consistently being able to do that even in college. There is evidence of him being able to absolutely get penetration. Not consistently. There's have, not... Have any pass-rush moves outside of a bull rush. I get and an that. occasional rip around the edge. You're right, but he's not on the edge. I think it, it's less important if you're not on the edge. And this again, you're right. He may not. If they, if they choose to play him on the edge, then I think that's a misrepresentation of his skills, and that okay. is a disservice for him. So let's let's just go ahead and put that in a vacuum too, so we know that I'm speaking again, specifically. I think he, he can play on the edge on ba- on base situations where you're not rushing the passer. Right, and 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 then at that point, I think he would be a, a bigger outside linebacker. Which again, I don't love. Not in today's age. I still wouldn't put him out there um, because I just don't think he has the speed or the range that some of these NFL backs will. will that bend. I don't worry about as much, honestly. I just, I just worry about is this guy going to impact us getting off the field on third down? I don't. That's think so. what I'm scared of. I personally don't think so. And and here's the thing: if what if if you take Hutchinson right and you've got Allen and Hutchinson, that's great. What happens when Hutchinson turns out to not be an effective pass rusher or isn't an effective pass rusher? Well, I, I don't think there's anything that we've seen that suggests he won't be. And that's fine, and I get that, and I agree. And 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 I don't think – but I don't, I don't agree that we've seen things that suggest that Trayvon Walker won't be effective with his hand in the ground. Everything that I've seen from him, penetration, the get-off, the motor, the strength, the ability, has all been there from my perspective. I just think that he's going to affect – the game a lot differently than Aiden Hutchinson would, um, and but I think he would still able he would still be able to increase the pass rush if it's not him specifically rushing the passer. And I know we talked about this last week, and it's it's obviously a very stark comparison because Aaron Donald is one of the best defensive players in NFL history, if not the best. But I just tell people look at the way that Aaron Donald can affect the defense. Right again. I know Trevor Walker is not Aaron Donald, but he's not necessarily always racking up the sack numbers. It's his penetration and the way he's able to force the quarterback to move around in the pocket that helps other players. 
get sacks. And I think you can get that production from Trayvon Walker as well. I still think it's a big risk. Absolutely, it is. 100% is, but I think really any of them is. Well, any of them. I, Either of I them are a huge risk. I just don't see the risk with Aiden Hutchinson as much. Yes, you've got the question about his length. I don't think there's real questions about his athleticism. I think if you watch him play, the athleticism is there. Not necessarily to drop back into shallow zones consistently, but to run and chase as a weak side defender, to set the edge, to win with his refinement as a pass rusher with his hands. I mean, he has moves. He has counters off those moves. He can threaten the edge with speed. He can work back inside, work across the face of the tackle. Like He has it all. You're right. He does doesn't have the length that you want, and while his rush and, and while his moves are, are more defined, one hundred percent agree. And I'm not arguing for one one way or the other, right? I'm just I know but this is a here. good discussion. No, it is, and and I and I agree with what you're saying. He has much better hands, much better counter moves. I agree with all of that, um, but you know, does he have the ability to penetrate the pocket from inside? You know, there's going to be twists. There's going to be stunts. Are we only going to be able to line him up on the outside? Is he just going to be an off the edge guy? And what happens when he starts He's to get played beat? inside a lot in his career too? Yeah. So um, again, these are just just counter questions. The same way that you could ask, you know, Trayvon Walker. Yeah, he he won't be able to, um, you know, set up outside necessarily as much. But I don't think Aiden Hutchinson will be as effective inside at this level, right? So there's there's definitely counters to both sides. I agree with you 100 that Aiden Hutchinson has the better pass rush moves, the better counter. Um, you know, and, and I would still teeter back and forth on, on who I would take a number one overall between those two, but I think they both give you an opportunity to improve yourself in very, in very different ways. But whichever one you take, you better hope you're right. Like I said, because you know, one of those other guys are most likely going to end up in the division, um, or very close to you. And, and, and it's going to look very bad if you, you know, th- this is a huge draft for the Jaguars. We've talked about it, right? This is it. This is all or nothing here. You know, you can't waste another year, uh, with Trevor Lawrence. Um, because you know he he may find himself looking for other opportunities as well if things don't turn around quickly. Yeah, I, I don't think he's that type of player, that type of person. But if he was smart, he would be. Well, that's debatable in uh, my the, opinion. The NFL's different. I think now. there's a lot money, to loyalty, like, yeah. and I I know you don't need to be loyal to a business necessarily, but loyal to your teammates, to your coaching staff, et cetera. I mean, I think there's something to that. I agree. Uh, I believe in loyalty to the people around you, but I also understand. Yes, Trevor Lawrence. If it's a disaster again in 2022, I could understand him wanting to get out of here. Uh, so I, I get your point. So talking about Iki Aquanu, to me, it I totally understand why Doug Peterson would love Iki Aquanu. And it's because he is an athletic freak show. He is a mauler in the run game. If you're talking about um, someone who you can use in a similar way to Trent Williams, which I think the Jaguars would like to get their tackles out moving uh, in space in this wide zone rushing attack with with these different gadget plays that they're going to run, I believe. Yeah, he can do that. He is nasty. He will obliterate linebackers, safeties, cornerbacks. Uh, He has good power at the point of attack. Again, I worry about the passing game. His 
ability to protect Trevor Lawrence is what I question, uh, not his ability to have an impact in the run game. And I just think he's far too inconsistent as a pass rusher. Now, if you drafted him, you'd be playing him at left guard this year, it looks like. And in a phone booth, I think there's less less room for him to be sloppy. I mean, like, if he's in a phone booth, he's just going to drive your ass off the line of scrimmage. It's when he has to do those vertical sets and he has to uh, worry about spacing and all that that it kind of falls apart for him at times. I think if you put him in a phone booth, he's going to dominate, and you get him out on the move moving forward instead of backwards, he's going to dominate. So I could see why Doug Peterson would be intrigued by that skill set. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, right? The, the biggest difference between Icky and, and Evan Neal, you just laid it out perfectly. Evan Neal is your prototypical bookend tackle, right? He is a great in pass pro. Um, I, I think he's pretty good in the run game as well. Um, he is great in regards to his post strength, right? Being able to close the door on any inside moves, something that I thought was great for Evan Neal. But man, when you talk about the way Icky can move and maul guys, and we've talked about in the past how Doug Peterson's offensive line is a little bit more agile, is a little bit more of that zone blocking scheme, is a little bit better at moving and kind of um, you know moving the line and moving the pocket with them. It's hard not to to feel like Icky fits really, really well, especially if you're going to take a guy and play him at guard for a year. Um, I, I still like Evan Neal. I still think he's the best player on the board, but... I mean, what you said, I, I can't argue anything of what you just said right there. I mean, it really all kind of boils down to, again, if you're going to go offensive tackle, um, which, again, I, I think we're both pretty – I don't think they will. But if, if they were, you know, what's what what's going to change about your scheme, Doug? What's going to be different, and how does one or the other benefit? And I think the long run has to be taken into consideration, obviously, because Cam Robinson is going to leave. But, again, if, if that guy's going to play inside – for a year, I love Icky. If that guy is more guaranteed to be a tackle and a long-term investment at the tackle position, I like Neil. Yeah, I like them both. I, I think for me, Iquanu is in the early teens on my draft board simply because I don't trust him in pass pro at tackle at this point. I do think he would be less of a liability at guard, certainly, but it's scary for me to draft a, a left tackle of the future that is sketchy and pass pro and inconsistent. Um, obviously, there is extremely high level reps and pass pro, but it's about the consistency. It's about the technique. It's about not oversetting, keeping your balance. Um, I just don't see that from Aquanu at this point. However, what, one thing I will say is he has steadily improved in pass pro throughout his time at NC State, and everything I've heard from him about him is kind of like that Evan Neal type of guy. I mean, excuse me, Aiden Hutchinson type of guy where he is just all football all the time, steadily trying to improve. He comes from an athletic family. Parents were professional athletes. He's got a lot going on in terms of the gene pool there that's impressive, and he's all football, no nonsense. And he, I'll say one thing, Without question, he will be a tone setter. Yeah. Yeah, he, he's nasty. He brings the attitude, brings, the, like you said, the tone to the field. He'll bring it to you. And I, I feel 
now that we're kind of getting into this a little bit deeper, that Neil and Icky, right, the comparison between two is, is a lot like Walker and Hutch, right? Yeah. You've got one guy who seems like a slam dunk, right, no questions asked. Then you got one guy who's just an athletic, physical freak. And I think if they have the right coaching and are able to completely, you know, meet their ceiling, that they might end up being better players than the guys that are being compared to, but much bigger risk. And that's been the problem in Jacksonville. When they have taken risks, the coaching hasn't been there to get the most out of these guys. Yeah, and and not only that, I think some of those risk picks, and I, I would say, you know, guys like Dante Fowler, Derek Harvey, um, you know, some of these other, uh, and I, I kind of just try to relate it to some of the, the defensive guys, the edge guys taking the pass. And obviously, you've got guys like Jokel, but I don't, I don't really remember Jokel being kind of like a, a chance pick. Um, but, you know, I think these guys are different. Truthfully, I really do. Even when we drafted back in 2016, or was it 15, that we drafted Dante Fowler. Um, Fowler 15? was 2015. 15. Even then, I, like, I, didn't, I didn't feel like he was – And I, again, this, this could be obviously time and, and past um, grievances you know, coming into my head here, but I don't feel like he was one of the top two edges in that class. And it definitely didn't play oh. out that way. Like these guys yeah. are definitely, you know, there, there's no question about it. I think while while Equanu and Walker are gambles, I don't think they're that far off. You know what I'm well, saying? Well, and what you know about both of those guys is that they have their head on straight. I don't think there's any question about that at this point. Obviously, the pro money changes people. Um, it does. Uh, I don't think any of the guys we're talking about. Is, that's going to be an issue. I think they're going to be professionals. And that has been as big a problem as anything in Jacksonville when you talk about first-round picks. Besides not drafting talented guys, when they have landed talented guys, they haven't been professional. Um, I think Dante Fowler is talented. I don't think he's a professional. Uh, same with Justin Blackman. You go back. Reggie Williams, Matt Jones, R.J. Soward, Derek Harvey. Eugene Monroe was more into smoking pot than playing football. Um, God, that, was, just, that was a long time ago. I don't even remember the narrative on that one. Oh, well, he was just open about it. Like, it wasn't... Eugene was? Yeah, like, this oh. was a guy who was advocating for marijuana consistently. And look, I'm fine with that, right? But at the time, it wasn't legal in the NFL. It wasn't legal anywhere in the country. And that was his – he was as concerned with that as he was with being a good football player, in my opinion. And he wasn't a bust by any stretch. I'm not trying to say that. I'm just trying to say the Jaguars have done a bad job identifying guys that love football, that are obsessed with football, that will not do anything off the field to threaten their football career. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying you need choir boys, but do you need a certain level of commitment to the game to be a high quality professional? Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like you don't need choir boys, no, but you need good culture, right? There's no good team with good culture. I mean bad culture, excuse me. <laughs> Every good team has good culture. No good teams have bad culture, right? right. Decent teams have bad culture. Teams that, you know, are close, maybe have bad culture, but good championship teams do not have bad culture. And now don't confuse bad culture with a vocal guy in the locker room, right? 
bad culture is bad culture all the way around, right? 2017 Jaguars, good culture, I think. You had some um, vocal guys, but it, was, it wasn't necessarily negative. It, it wasn't started boiling over. but It, it, it got there, but, but again, you had veteran guys in that locker room that were able to lead and keep the culture good. Personalities may have been sharp. It may have been a little abrasive, and obviously over time, that began to wear. But at the time, I felt like the culture was good. It was competitive. It was a little nasty, but not nasty like, you know, nasty like on the football field. Nasty, right? Jalen Ramsey, you know, we go into Super Bowl and we're going to win that, you know, bleep, right? All that, like a little bit of edge to it. But, you know, things obviously soured. So when you have Trevor Lawrence, who is, <clears throat> excuse me, what I believe obviously would be, you know, the focal point locker room, I'm sure he's already kind of, you know, gotten all the guys behind him. He seems like that kind of leader. When you have a guy like that, who's going to lead you hopefully for, you know, the next decade or so, put good culture around him, right? We, we obviously missed last year with the coaching staff, but I think Doug brings in good culture. I think Christian Kirk brings in good culture. I think some of these guys they brought in who don't really have any negative, you know, marks on their track record, they bring in good culture. Build good culture and everything else will come with it. Yeah. So... I think I would still predict Aiden Hutchinson. My second guess would be Trayvon Walker. My third guess would be Iki Iquanu. If they picked anyone else at number one, I would be shocked. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Me too. You said you said Neil Walker, Hutchinson, Iquanu, right? That was it? I didn't even include Neil. Oh, you didn't include Neil. Yeah. Just, oh, I, would I haven't Neil. had any buzz on him at all. Right. Yeah. He's I, the one I would take. Uh, I think he's the safest bet. I think he's going to be a pro bowler. You don't think there's any chance that they go just absolutely buck wild and completely go off the board here? No. Well, that's a good thing, I guess. I really don't. I really think it's going to be Aiden Hutchinson. I still do. Uh, and I would not be surprised if it's Trayvon Walker. Anything else would surprise me. I would be like, I would understand if they took Iki Aquanu. I know there's some interest there, but it would still surprise me if it's not Hutchinson or Walker. I feel like they have to take Hutch personally. Like, I feel like they have to, not only because everyone is saying that's the guy, right? The media, every, you know, it, and that's the thing is like, if you take that guy, okay. I think it, obviously, again, you talk, chalk it up to the Jaguars being the Jaguars and identifying the right person. But if you go out on a limb and take somebody that, you know, everyone's going to scoff and laugh at, and then they also fail, well, that's just like a double negative. And, and we yep. know that. Talk about perceptions out there and the way that you know the rest of the NFL looks at the Jaguars. I feel like they've almost backed themselves into a corner of having to take Aiden Hutchinson. Yeah. And you hope that Trent Baalke doesn't feel that way. Obviously, you want him to be taking the person who he feels most confident in or whoever has the final decision, which I'm just assuming is still Baalke since he's the one who stuck around. But whoever has the final decision, hopefully they make the decision that they feel most confident in, and it's not impacted by blowback from what's going to happen with the media or fans. Uh, I, I would hope that anyways. And uh, I just I just can't imagine you know, being like, oh, the fans are going to be pissed. I'm not going to take this guy. Like The fans are going to be happy if you win damn games, and if you feel most confident in a certain player, take him. Uh, so that's how I feel on that. Now, we haven't talked about it, but obviously Trent Baalke does not have a good relationship with Aiden Hutchinson's former head coach at Michigan, Jerem Harbaugh, who Baalke and Harbaugh, 
existed together in San Francisco for several years before it kind of blew up. Could you imagine a, a general manager not taking a prospect because of the relationship with the former head coach? Honestly, at this point, nothing surprises me when it comes to the Jaguars. But, I mean, we've talked about it. It's all about relationships. This league, this sport, this everything, right? This business is all about relationships. So honestly, as much as I hate to say it, yeah, I do. I do think that's a possibility, right? Because if you're not tight with a guy, at least from my perspective, A, I don't think you're getting, you know, you're not you're not getting everything from that guy. And so you got to be real damn confident in your own homework. Because I'm sure Bulky and Harbaugh aren't on the phone, right, consistently talking about this guy. I'm sure he's not connecting with them personally to talk about this guy. So could it affect it? It absolutely could. Should it? Absolutely not. But, you know, again, here we are. And we are the Jaguars, and I think we've seen crazier things. Yeah, and you'd hope Doug would be able to just call up Jim uh, and <laughs> and talk that out. But, you know. We'll likely never know unless you get a situation where it was like, you know, Jack Del Rio recently talking about how he didn't even know that they were going to take. Who was it that he didn't know they were going to take? He like went out for lunch or went out to grab a bite and uh, came back and they had traded. And I don't even remember who it was at this point, but. The crazy stuff. I don't even Hopefully, remember. I don't even remember hearing that story. To be honest with you, you'll have to look it up. Oh, I'm man. just drawing a blank on it right now. I think we've talked about it before, but it's Probably. been so long. Probably. Uh, I think it came out like in 2021 or 2020. I can't remember. But um, the Jaguars have more than one draft pick. They're going to need to hit on more than one draft pick in order to turn this thing around and give Trevor Lawrence an infrastructure he can work with. They held the top pick in the second round and the third round, of course. But let's look at 33. Do you have any strong feelings about, let's say they go and get their pass rusher, which we're both looking at, or their edge defender, because I'm not going to call Trayvon Walker a pass rusher. But they go get Aiden Hutchinson or Trayvon Walker at one. Then what? What's at 33? It has to be wide receiver, right? And and now this is thinking that the board falls the way you want it to. There's got to be a certain guy there. Um, I think Pickens is the guy that comes to mind, at least for me, at number 33. Um, I don't know if he makes it that far down. I really don't, to be honest with you. I, I feel like Pickens is going to be a surprise. I think he's If gonna he go, doesn't make it, someone else will. This is true. This is absolutely true. Like If Who he doesn't it make be? it, I think that means Jahan Dotson or Traylon Burks or... Probably one of those two falls. Traylon Burks would probably be the only other guy that I would say that I would consider there. Because I don't think Wilson's falling. I don't think Olave's falling. I don't think um, Williams is going to make it that far either. Um, who else is first round graded? I, I would definitely say that Pickens ends up going. And, and I do think Olave, Burks might go as well. Yeah, it's Olave, um, Garrett Wilson, Jamison Williams, uh Jahan Dotson for a lot of people, not for everyone. Traylon Burks for a lot of people, not for everyone. And I feel like I'm missing someone else, but I, I'm drawing a blank. Yeah, but, but but regardless, Jahan Dotson, I, I, I'm not necessarily that, that big of a fan of, so I wouldn't take him at 33. Um, I would take any of the guys that we just mentioned there, but I think they're all first-rounders. So I think at that next spot, you know, it's best available player. And I think you can go a couple ways here. 
Um, does a guy like Linderbaum fall to the second round? Maybe, uh, maybe not. Um, but a lot of linebackers in this draft, I think, are very intriguing. Nicobe Dean, Quay Walker, uh, you like Chad Muma. So I think that they could go uh, there at 33 as well, and I think any of those would be good options. If you had to guess, if they take Aiden Hutchinson or Trayvon Walker, what do you think they will do at 33? I think... And it obviously depends on how the board falls. There could be guys that fall that you don't expect, but yeah, I, I, you know, I, just based on the consensus of kind of what we're seeing. If I'm saying what I think they'll, they'll do, I don't think they'll go wide receiver. I just don't. I, I for some reason I have a feeling that, that they're not going to put as much emphasis on it that we think they should. They've already brought two guys in. They probably think that's sufficient at least for now. I think they probably go linebacker, um, just because of the positional depth there. And at 33, I think there's going to be a lot of guys. Um, that maybe sneak down there in the linebacker grouping that you know had first round grades that you might be able to get a steal on. I don't think there's a lot of guys that are going to fall in regards to wide receivers that you're going to be able to steal. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating. Like if Devin Lloyd and Nakobe Dean are still on the board and Quay Walker is still on the board, which I don't think all three of them will make it out of the first round. You know, a lot of people are talking about Quay Walker being a potential first round pick, and if he doesn't go in the first round, that that's who Trent Baalke would target. And I get why he's interested in Quay Walker. This guy's six foot four, 34-inch arms, 4'5", 40. Uh, he's a, a great athlete who has pretty good instincts, who is pretty good with the processing. I think he has you know, the ability with his length to drop back into coverage, drop back into space and make plays. I just don't see him as a as a guy who processes and makes decisions and moves as quickly on the football field as as Devin Lloyd or Nakobe Dean or Chad Muma. Yeah, I, I understand that as well. I think uh, Nakobe Dean is the guy that I think that I, I don't understand why the Nakobe Dean hype is kind of you know fallen off as of late. That that kid's a ball player because he's small. That's the walkers YouTube. Yeah, but. And, and I know you're just answering, so I don't take that as like a you know snapback at you. But yeah, yeah, he's small, and I get that. But that just drives me insane. Like it's it, this isn't the era of six three, six four middle linebackers who need who are slow as hell and need to stay there and plug the hole, right? We're seeing a lot of three four defense. We're seeing a lot more zone defense, and we're seeing a lot of linebackers who can range the entire field. We just look at the linebacker we just got rid of, Miles Jack, the guy who. I always thought had great range as a linebacker, was really able to go hash to sideline, you know, wherever it may be, cover his side of the field. Nicobe Dean fits that profile for me. He ranges yeah, well. Guess he what Miles well. Jack didn't have? In my mind. Mm-hmm. In comparison to Nicobe Dean? No, just in general. Why did Miles Jack not come in and thrive as much as you would have thought outside of being out of position some? Uh, football IQ. Yeah, just the processing. How fast can you play? Yeah, It's not about how fast you can run in a straight line or how fast you can run a short shuttle. How fast can you read what's happening and make snap decisions? I don't think Jack struggled with that. I I don't think he struggled with play recognition. I think he struggled. You see him trying to cover play actions? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that was rough. But I think think more back so with the whole green dot situation, right? I think – for him, it was a little much to be able to 
get everybody in the right position, right, and and have to worry about what everything, what, you know, what, what everyone else is doing and what and what was going on, right? He's he was That's processing, right? It is, but not necessarily, right? Instinctual in the sense that okay, like I don't have to worry about getting you in the right spot. I don't have to worry about making sure that you guys are in the right coverage, that you guys are flowing to the right of the ball. I don't have to worry about that, right? I know where I'm going, and I can read the play, and I can be an instinctual, and I can go find the ball. That's a big difference. It, it really is. And if you don't have to process all of that, and you just have to worry about your job, your job only in finding ball, you know, see ball, get ball, that, 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 that takes a lot of stress off a linebacker, especially a guy who's playing in the middle. Yeah, and I just worry about Quay Walker – Christian Harris, who the Jaguars have had in for a pre-draft visit, another good guys one. like that. What'd you say? Another good one. I was just, you mentioned Christian Harris, another guy. Oh yeah, got another good one. I think they both have great potential to be starting linebackers in the NFL. But just as I feel that Trayvon Walker is underdeveloped as a pass rusher, I feel that both of those guys are underdeveloped in terms of stepping in and being starters as guys that are processing they're reading things quickly they're making the right decision and getting into the right spot at all times yeah and that's all coaching too right if you've got a, a simple scheme something it's easy for guys to work with that obviously helps i don't know what kind of relationship uh, oluokun has with mike caldwell at this point um i don't know if mike caldwell has an idea of who's going to be his signal callers um on the defense either but I think it would have to be Aluokun at this point. I, I was going to say thing. I, I would I would lean towards it being someone currently on the roster. So at least you don't have to worry about that when you're drafting a guy. Yeah. For the time being, at least. Yeah, so I'm with you that I would try to be targeting wide receiver at 33. But earlier I did my what I would do, my final what I would do mock draft. And Kenyon Green and Devin Lloyd both felt. Kobe Dean was there too. I took Devin Lloyd. I had to do it. I couldn't ignore the fact that he's a top 10 player on my board. Um, and then I traded up to land George Pickens at 46, which according to what I'm hearing out of like Tony Pauline and other guys like that, the NFL is not quite as high on George Pickens as a lot of the media is. I think that's exciting. That, that someone else is not as high on Pickens? That the NFL in general isn't. So maybe you can land them a little later. Oh, you think it's – oh, okay. I, th- I thought I was thinking more from like the, the reverse psychology standpoint that, you know, if they don't think that he's that good and the Jaguars do, then maybe – I'm just saying maybe yeah. you can get him in the middle of the second. But no, yeah, yeah. No. He's fallen, you like him, you trade up for him, boom. P- Pickens is he, – he's a real interesting case to me because honestly, like I said, I, I think he's a first-round talent. But we've we've I all know. seen it. I've, I've seen him fall. We've seen him fall to the second – no, but I think even before the kind of tail end of, of the college football season there, he was kind of second, third round, you know, maybe even fourth round. So he's slowly kind of trickles way back up, right? But you're right, you know, if he can fall back down, it, he's going to be a great value pick, I think, for anybody who is able to scoop him up if teams let him out of the first round because I really don't think he's going to have any setbacks. Yeah. All right, so let's play a little Would You Rather. We're just going to do one round of this. I want to hear what you have to say. Would you rather Aiden Hutchinson and Tyler Linderbaum or Ikema Kwanu and Quay Walker? Ooh. And the reason I did this is because I I have a feeling they're not going to take two defensive players back-to-back. Even though we talked about it last week, 
something just tells me that if they go defense at one, they're going offense at 33 and vice versa. Yeah, I would have to say Hutch and Linderbaum. Um, I, I would say because I think Linderbaum fills a more immediate need on the offensive line. Um, there's no question of, you know, where are we going to play him? Are we going to move him to guard? Are we going to have to move Cam? You know, what are we going to do? Like Linderbaum's a center, right? He's coming in, he's playing center. Boom. Um, and, and you got that edge number one, and, and that's a big thing too. I think if you don't go – if you go tackle at number one, um, I – don't like your chances at least getting an edge probably in the second or third round. I mean, you're looking at maybe Boye Mafe. Maybe, right? Minnesota. Um, probably Arnold Ebicati. Uh, you could, you could go Pascal. Maybe, maybe Ojabo late, you know, if you want to take a guy like Ojabo and, and give him time to heal. But I think- yeah, and I would be on board with that. It's just a little scary, and it's a little—I mean, like you're not going to get anything out of him this year. But yeah, yeah. So I, I think you really limit yourself if you don't take edge at number one in in regards to what you're going to have. You know where the Jaguars are drafting right now. So I think Hutchinson and Linderbaum, at least for me, much more attractive. You know. Yeah, you know that probably wasn't a fair question because Linderbaum, even though there's a decent chance he falls out of the top top 32 because of the fact that he is pigeonholed into his own scheme due to his size limitations. And there's just not a lot of teams looking for a center in the first round. So that limits the amount of teams that could be trying to target him. But everyone in the world knows he's a first round talent. And most people think Quay Walker is more late second, early third Talent-wise, at least most of the media that I've seen. I'm not sure. Apparently, there's a lot of coaches and scouts around the league that like Quay Walker in the first round. Mm. I haven't seen that. Yeah. I've seen, I've seen him trickle into the late first round a couple times, but, you know, it's nothing that that is popping up frequently. But, yeah, Linderbaum is, is absolutely the best center in this draft. I mean, it's not even close. Best probably interior offensive lineman, I would say. But the other thing is – um, this is a deep center class. And no, you're not getting Tyler Linderbaum in the third round, but are you getting a quality starter? Probably. And now that's not me saying I would pass on him at 33 because I absolutely wouldn't, but that's another reason for him falling out of the first. Yeah, what really sets the centers apart, though, is the football IQ. So if he has got you know, a football IQ that is head and shoulders above everybody else based on you know whatever testing that you use to determine that, then I think it's it's a no-brainer because, like you said, he is pigeonholed into playing center. Um, I think that's the NFL's way of looking at it. I personally don't think so. Yeah, he's got short arms, but again, playing on the interior of the offensive line, you don't really have to extend. You don't have to worry about any edges. I don't think it would you know bother him to play guard. I don't think he would really kind of have a, a, a um, not an upper hand because obviously what's the opposite of an upper hand? What would you say is the opposite of an upper hand? A crutch? <laughs> He would have a crutch playing at guard, personally, in my opinion. But interesting. Yeah, I just, I just we'll don't get. That. That. I don't get that narrative. I don't like what. Yeah. What does having short arms as an interior offensive lineman really? He's do He's not for just you? short arms. He's short in general. I mean, I can just understand like guards are they're not put on an island like tackles, but centers are usually a little more protected than guards. Mm-hmm. But here's another thing I like about interior offensive line, and, and yes, you're right. He is short in stature as well. Also, not a bad thing. Right? Why? Because no one can get under. Well, not no one can get underneath me, right? But the chances of you losing leverage for a guy getting underneath your pad level is very slim, especially in the interior. 
And you can get that leverage over a big guy who wants to stand up and give you their chest. So again, I, I don't necessarily see that as a negative. Yeah. You want the biggest guy. You want the strongest guy. But if that guy can play, that guy can play. I'm with you. All right. So at 33, I think if Quay Walker's on the board, I think he's probably going to be the pick based on everything we've heard so far. Would you be good with Hutchinson and Quay Walker? I would not personally, but that's just me. I like Nicobe Dean more than I like Quay Walker. If Nicobe Dean made it that far, um, I would like, again, I know I understand it. I would like a wide receiver. I would like um, possibly a, a late offensive tackle. Interior would offensive you be lineman. good with two defenders to start the draft? Yes, I would. Absolutely. I would be okay with that. If, if But again, like you said, it depends on how the, the board falls, right? Yeah. Like if, if there's a guy that's on the defensive side of the ball that falls down to 33, that is a no no doubt first rounder, then absolutely you should take him because it's all about getting the best available player at that time. Right. Especially yeah. if, 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 especially if it's close, right. Okay. I might be taking like the fifth or sixth best wide receiver who, you know, this guy really didn't fall right. We're at the top of the second round anyway. So, you know, we we're, we're, we're hypothetically, we're having to reach for a guy because everybody we take, you know, is going to be after 33rd overall pick. If that makes sense. If you understand what I'm saying, um, so if, if they have a chance to instead take a guy that fell, that's definitely first round talent. You have to do that. It doesn't matter what the position is. Yeah, I agree with that. And I would be okay with two defenders, but you better be ready to attack. I want you to go get an offensive lineman in the third round or fourth round. I want you to get a wide receiver. Uh, you need to address those positions because you need to support Trevor Lawrence. And I know improving your defense is supporting him, but he needs help when he's on the field too. Yeah. And, and I will say, now, again, we, we've talked about this at nauseum. Wide receiver is one of the biggest needs on this team. But, again, I understand that it is one of the deepest positions in this draft. And there are a couple guys that I'm okay with you adding later on. I'm a big fan of Justin Ross. So, again, how the board falls is really going to dictate where they go. Yeah. And one thing to, to explain to some people maybe why the Jaguars are probably not going to take a wide receiver super high in this draft a, yes, there is a ton of depth. There is a wide receiver every year. We've seen it for like three or four years in a row now. It's just crazy the depth that you're seeing. Uh, but they spent on Christian Kirk. They spent on Zay Jones. They spent on Marvin Jones all in the last year. I'm sure they feel pretty good about their starting group. Now, I want to ask you, start, bench, cut. LaVisca Chenault. Zay Jones, Marvin Jones. Oof. Start Zay Because at this point, the reason I frame it this way, at this point, one of those guys or multiple of them is going to be starting receivers for the Jaguars if you had to line up on the field today. So start, bench, cut. LaVisca Chenault, Zay Jones, Marvin Jones. And this isn't going to say that this guy is like our number one necessarily, correct? No, I mean, Christian Kirk is going to be the – Top target at yeah. this point. I personally would have to say I, I would go ahead and start Zay Jones, or I would give Zay Jones a majority of that field time. I haven't seen much from him in regards to obviously we've seen highlights, but I don't watch a lot of Raiders games, or you know, I, I can't remember if he was anywhere else before that. But I think it was in Buffalo before that. Yeah. Um, didn't see a lot of Zay Jones before that. I want to see what he can do, what maybe he can infuse into this offense. Um, I'll bench. Um, Chenault, because, you know, unfortunately, 
took a large step back last year. Also, I think he's a guy that has a very specific skill set um, that has to be utilized in a very specific way. And then, unfortunately, I'm going to cut Marvin Jones. Um, just the age kind of you know plays the, the biggest factor in this for me. And another guy that we kind of have you know a, a couple like bodies. And fortunately, he's just the odd man out here. It also saves you a little bit of money, not much, a little bit, um, and it doesn't have any cap ramifications for the years going forward. Yeah. I'd start Marvin because I think he's the best player of the bunch. I think he's going to make the most immediate impact for Trevor. Bench LaVisca because I think he's more talented than Zay, and I'd cut Zay Jones, and I hope he proves me wrong this year. And I don't dislike Zay Jones as a player, as a young prospect coming into Jacksonville, but I just don't think he moves the needle in any way. Yeah. Yeah. Said I just I, I can't see them cutting Zay Jones. After. No, it's, this is not about what they're going to do. They're not going to cut Zay Jones. This is about what you want to do. Well, yeah, but it's, okay. <laughs> it's hypothetical though. Like I can't I can't say I would cut Zay Jones if I know it's impossible. But I get it. You can. I would. <laughs> I would. So I think we've talked about this a little bit. But would you look be looking to trade up at some point? Yeah, I would be looking to trade up at multiple points. I would be looking yeah. to trade back up into the second. Um, you know, if, if the possibility was there, honestly, I'd look to trade up into the first, not always the biggest fan on that, depending on where you're drafting. I don't think the value is always there in regards to how much it takes for you to get back up into the first round, but considering the Jaguars pick at number one, overall, there's a pretty good gap between one and 33, right? Obviously there's 32 picks in between. You can find a way back into the late teens, early twenties, late twenties, and I think still get yourself. Um, maybe that guy that you were looking for at 33 at 24, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you probably got to get rid of 33, understandably so, but that's a wash. And we've got so many picks on the back end that we could you know, package and trade up. Um, I would think a trade back into the third round early on day th- – is that day three? Early, two. late day two. Late day two, right? Late day two would also be something good. But after that, I don't think the value in moving up is is, is there. Um Take take what you get, and and you know in rounds four through seven, try to hit on some guys that maybe other teams aren't high on. But I think if you're going to move, it's got to be within the first three rounds. Yeah, I would be looking to move up personally in multiple spots as well. Uh, but if I had to predict, I think the Jaguars will probably trade up once. I think it will be in between rounds three and five. That's my guess. Yeah. Uh, I would I would like to see them trade up earlier than that to really go land somebody who is a real difference maker. But you know they traded up for Jordan Smith last year and didn't play him. So it's the same the the value the, the value in a trade up at that point like what was the like you traded up for that guy? But they the- could have traded up for someone else that did bring more value. It's just who they chose to trade up for right. did not bring value. Correct. Which there were plenty of guys on the board right. when they selected Jordan Smith that brought value to their football teams last year. Now I'm not hating on Jordan Smith. He was a project. They admitted he was a project. I think he's still a project, and I think he's a decent project worth investing in. But trading up. Anybody on the top of the head there? Who went after Jordan Smith? Oh, there's multiple pass rushers that were better than Jordan Smith that went after him. Quincy Roche. Uh, there were several guys that I was a big fan of that went later and made more of an impact in their rookie years. Big yeah. go figure. I'll be honest with you. The, the, the tail end later rounds of the draft, I would have to say four through seven, become kind of a blur. I tend to forget where people even went. He was a fourth yeah. round, right? Wasn't he? Yeah. Okay. But... um. 
Yeah. So now as we close the show here, let's just talk real quickly about these 2019 wide receivers, DK Metcalf, um, Terry McLaurin, Debo Samuel, AJ Brown. All of them are able to be extended. Their contracts are ready to be extended. They're going into the final years of their or the final year of their rookie deal. Who, if you could, would you target out of those guys? Uh, if if you ha- if you could get each one or any of them for the same uh, cost and the same in terms of the contract and in terms of what you have to give up for the trade, which one would you target? All things being equal, Whew. that's a good question. And I may go with an unpopular one here, but I would say DK because DK brings. Obviously, each one of these guys bring you a supreme skill set, right? I think Debo and DK bring you a little bit more than AJ Brown. Um, and who was the fourth guy? Scary Terry. Scary Terry. Yeah. No offense to Terry McLaurin, but I don't think he's in the same class as, as, as these other guys. I think it's Debo and DK in regards to just the physical specimen of the football player that they are and then terry and aj don't get me wrong terry and aj are great wide receivers but i think debo obviously has shown you that he's a different guy right he is a football player and then dk is just a a physical freak a specimen just a unicorn and not only does he have the size but he has the speed he has everything that you're looking for he has the entire package and the jaguars need an x we talked about it they need a guy on the outside DK can do everything. He can play outside. He can play inside. He can do all of this, but he has one facet of his game that these other guys, at least, you know, Debo doesn't have. And I think some of the other guys that we have currently on this roster don't have, and that's being able to play on the outside as a, you know, prototypical outside receiver. He's got the ability to do that. He's got the ability to go up and get the ball. And I just think that he'd be the perfect guy to pair Trevor Lawrence right now. I really do. I think he's the perfect fit. I think Debo obviously fits in his offense as well. And, and Doug would have a field day with him, but I would go DK. Yeah, I would go DK as well. I would give up the first pick for him. Just straight up. Straight up. <sighs> yeah. I think I think when I was asked previously, I said yes. But I, I, I wavered back and forth. I don't know if I would go one straight up, but I would absolutely move back. I would even move maybe into the late first, second round, packaging those yeah. other picks, maybe get something for next year. But I would, yeah, I, I think – if you're going to get one of these guys before the draft, I don't think you have to discuss anything else other than the first pick being in play here. Whether it's Seattle and you move back to, I think they have what nine and nine. Yeah, they don't have a second first rounder this year. I thought they had two. Maybe I'm wrong. I think I'm probably. Might. I think I'm, I'm definitely wrong. So. But yeah, uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't think you can just you know dangle out number thirty three for any of these guys. No, you would have to give up multiple. What about thirty three in your first next year to keep number one? Yeah, sure. Why I not? would too. I'm just. I was curious. I would do. Uh, I'd give a future I, pick. And for the record, Terry McLaurin would be second on that list for me because I think he's the best receiver. Fair I think enough. he's a better receiver than Debo, and I think he's a better receiver than AJ Brown. That's just my personal opinion. I think Debo brings a little more versatility. I know he wants to be a receiver instead of a wing back. You know, wide receiver slash running back. But Scary Terry would be my guy for Trevor. I think they would just be awesome connecting all over the field. He's a better route runner than all these guys. 
Uh, he's faster than Debo, even though, you know, Debo's fast, but Scary Terry's a little bit faster. Um, so that's what I would do. And, and for the record, I would be shocked if the Jaguars traded for any of these receivers before the draft yeah, or after the draft. They, I don't think they're trading for a receiver. I don't either, but they need to, right? And it's not even that it's just a receiver, right? It's it's when premier players come up on the market, which we used to say doesn't happen very often, but it feels like it happens nonstop right now this offseason. You have to be in play for these guys. You have to be in play. And the people who want to sit here and, and make the argument, oh, well, they've already put a lot of money into that room. Who cares? Tell these other teams that are continuing to spend boatloads of money and still acquire talent. Tell the Rams. I said this the other day on Twitter. Tell them that because they keep doing it and they're holding up trophies, right? And we're not. And, you know, I get this, oh, we've made our bed with the lie in it. And, and that's the most annoying argument ever because if you go buy a set of sheets, Jordan, right? You go buy a set of sheets, you come home, you put them on your bed, right? And not that they're just, eh, like they are horrible, god-awful, bring you no comfort at all whatsoever. You're not going to sit there and just sleep in those sheets. You're going to get new ones immediately. Same thing with our receivers. We brought guys in. Yes, I get that, but it has done nothing. The Jaguars have not turned the corner. So you can't stop there. You can't just say, ah, well, you know, we, we tried. No, go out there and make a damn move and get somebody. I agree a hundred percent. I don't think they're going to do it, but I think they should do it. Um, but like we said, they have spent a lot at receiver over the last couple of years, and I don't know how much they've gotten for it. I like Christian Kirk a lot. I think Marvin Jones is an okay starter. Zay Jones, I don't think has proven to be a starter quality player to this point in the league. So We'll see how it all plays out, but we've got one week until the NFL draft. It's 8.04 right now, so we're literally one week from the 2022 NFL draft from the Jaguars, probably using that number one overall pick on either Aiden Hutchinson or Trayvon Walker, maybe Iki Iquanu, maybe there's a wild card. Uh, We'll see how it all plays out. I'm really excited for it. Really appreciate everybody for tuning in. That's going to do it. Make sure to follow Jeremy on Twitter at Jeremy Markoski, myself at Jordan DeLugo, Generation Jaguar at Generation Jag, and check out GenJag.com for all the latest news and analysis. Have a good one, Duval. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.